ninth and final pandemisode of Music Ray Gun. Twenty nine of these. Twenty nine of these we've done, Craig. God damn! Now, when you say twenty nine, mm-hmm. I almost go, no, that's not right. We did like twelve, and that, but no, no. We and and we do them every two weeks, so it's been almost 60 weeks. Uh, the last time we got together was March, I believe, 6th. Yeah. It was early March of 2020. Yep. Uh, and I haven't seen you since then. No. Except on FaceTime, yep. as I'm seeing you right now. And the day after Thanksgiving, when you very generously brought me some leftovers. I don't remember if I mentioned that or not on the show. Yes. So basically one time in over a, in a year and a half. Yeah, that was that was one of three times in the past sixteen months when I've seen someone I know. <laughs> oh my god! Isabel turned had a birthday. Uh, it was a big birthday, May thirty first of last year. So that was almost mm. exactly a year ago. I went and visited her very quickly and gave her a gift. Mm. We spent like five minutes socially distanced, just saying hi. But I'm very excited because in less than two weeks, you and I are going to get together. Yes. To finally record episode 81 of this podcast. Oh my God. Yes. And as we called it, just just before we started uh, recording, it's classic Raygun. Classic Raygun. Yeah. We are going to resume our old uh, style. If any, I, look, I, I have no idea who listens to the show outside of a few personal acquaintances. I don't know if anyone has started listening during mm. the pandemisodes the normal format is we watch videos on youtube and talk about the videos all centered on a particular music related topic yes um but then also we're going to be going back to our normal cadence of having an episode come out every week yeah instead of every two weeks because when we we usually do a normal episode every two weeks and then the in between weeks we do our mini episodes Bringing the minis back. So there's something every Monday instead of every two Mondays. So I'm excited for that uh, to start again. Yep. yep. More content. More content. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. And that means I'm going to have to go back to editing the show every weekend instead of <laughs> yeah. every two Hur- weekends. Hooray? That's <laughs> a bit of a chore. but Yeah. But I like the results. Yeah. It's worth it for what we give to the world. Yeah. We're going to get back into doing the trivia game. During oh, the mini episodes, it'd be great and stressful. Yep, <laughs> and uh, and all the other little mini games we play during the mini episodes. Yeah, we're gonna start getting guests back. We're gonna have Katie come back for an episode hopefully soon. I'm hoping to do another dance episode with Isabel. Oh yeah, soon. Hell yeah! And uh, I'm a little nervous about getting back into the old rhythm. Kind of forgot how we do the show <laughs> in the Listen, normal way. Paul, when old lovers get back together <laughs> they find a way to make it work yeah yeah it doesn't take too long before no. you, oh yes i remember this. i remember what he likes yeah it's like right <laughs> in the mic it's right that's right <laughs> it will be fun i'm i'm just just excited to look at videos that going and going what the fuck is this what am i watching yeah that's going to be so much fun it's, it was a fun show, the show we used to do. <laughs> the show we did before pandemic <laughs> nearly wrecked the world. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, the top fives have been fun, but it's not yeah. as good. It's not no, as not good. fun. Not it's going to get good again. It's yeah. a good place marker for what we've done. And I'm excited to start recording the episode topics that we came up with at the end of 2019. 
you sent me the list that we had and I looked through them and got really excited and also was like, oh shit, we didn't do that yet? Right. We've got we've got new topics that we talked about a year and a half ago. We've got sequels mm-hmm. to classic episodes that we've been waiting to get to. Yep. Um, so so all that is coming up after this episode. Yes, yeah. exactly. We get through this first. Yeah, but we do have to yeah, we do have to get through this. We still have this lesson. <laughs> Sorry. So let's, let's roll up our sleeves and <laughs> get to work. Get through this. <laughs> uh, boy, all right. What do you have to talk about? I have, I have one thing to talk about that I just learned today because it just happened today. What's that? Which is, it's an RIP, and it's a very weird oh. RIP. Uh, if I say the name, you're not going to know who it is, but John Davis died. Who's John Davis? John Davis is the voice of Millie Vanilli. Mm. The guy who actually sang the song. The guy who actually sang Girl, You Know It's True. Oh, wow. And Blame died It on the Rain? Him. Blame It on the Rain. Uh, along with some other singers, he died, uh, I can't remember what, 66 years old. Oh, but shame. it was a shame, but it was also just jarring because you forget. And you're like, oh, yeah, there was another person who sang that who was a human and yeah. had life and, you know, was a singer. But, yeah, it's just weird that, like, it was on Deadline and they're like, John Davis, voice behind Millie Vanilli, Vanilli. died. And you're like, oh, yeah, it was a whole voice. It's funny. I'm surprised he was that young. Mm-hmm. But I'm realizing that what happened was I remember seeing footage of the real singers like being interviewed mm-hmm. after it broke that Millie Vanilli didn't really perform yeah. the songs that they were lip syncing and thinking like, oh, they're like old. <laughs> <laughs> they're like old guys or whatever. But I'm realizing now, you know, that was 1990 and I was seven or eight years old and John Davis was probably in his 30s oh i mean he might have been in his like mid to late 20s maybe even but but to me i was like look at that old guy (laughs) that dude's so old oh my god he's ancient yeah i thought he looked in my head he would have been in his 40s or 50s then but yeah it's just the perception of a child exactly just a dumb kid yeah 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 but uh, that's sad that's sad because those Uh, songs uh you know they're not great songs but they i feel like the songs took too much shrapnel because of the controversy i mean uh, you know the band itself it it did but we've talked about it girl you know it's true is a jam we both love blame it on the rain blame it on the rain is it for me yeah Uh, girl you know it's true is is whatever but i think i love it it's true blame it on the rain is killer yeah well (laughs) that's that's a little strong it's not like an all-time classic but it's a good pop song it's like born to run yeah (laughs) (laughs) The first time I thought I heard Blame It on the Rain, I was like, is this a cover of a Bob Dylan song? Because it's Because it is so good. <laughs> Bob Dylan wishes he wrote this. Bob Dylan is has also been in the news recently. Yeah, it was like his birthday? Yeah, and speaking of, of age and getting older and me misperceiving ages in the other direction this time, I was talking to my father this weekend. He goes, oh, tomorrow's uh, Bob Dylan's birthday. And I went, yeah, what's he going to be, 70? Because <laughs> I remember when he turned 60, which was in 2001. And then oh. I, re- I redid the math really quick. And yeah. but, but by that point, my dad was already like, no, he's going to be 80. He's going to be 80. So, yep, Bob Dylan turned 80 this week. He turned 80, that's right. And I know that because on uh, the radio station we listen to a lot, KCRW, mm-hmm. in the morning, there's a great radio. Uh, morning becomes eclectic. They play great stuff. 
and they were playing a bunch of Dylan. And I was like, why the fuck are they playing Dylan? <laughs> Did he die? And, and that's what I thought. And it's like, yeah. no, it's his birthday. I was like, yeah. uh, gross. Uh, no, I know. I'm born in May, 1941. I remember when he turned 60 and thinking like, wow, he's 60. <laughs> I mean, fucking 80. Good on him. He's hit 80. That's a, that's a milestone. Uh, yeah. So good yeah. on him. Yeah. Him. I always feel like, I mean, he has such a catalog. I'm like, I want to try to find three songs that Kirk would like. <laughs> I mean, you but, won't. You'll find yeah. one that I half like, which I talk about all the time. Which band of that? the Band of the Hand. <laughs> that's right. You have mentioned that. <laughs> Only because but of the movie. But that's why I feel like, yeah, if there is this random Dylan song that somehow Kirk heard and liked, there have got to be some other ones out there. That no. have some sort of pop appeal that Kirk will go like, okay, I wouldn't turn this off. No, turn it all off, except for <laughs> Band of the Hand, just because it was a stupid movie in the 80s. And I was like, well, shit, I'll watch it. And I liked it as a kid. It's the only reason. Yeah. But he turned 80 and, and, uh, and good for him. And hopefully yeah. he'll turn 90 and 100. I mean, if he hits 100, that's remarkable. Good, He deserves everything then. I feel like that will happen. I feel like Bob Dylan is such a legendary figure that he's going to live to be 100 years old. Do you think he'll live longer than Keith Richards? Yes. Wow. I mean, I know it's 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 for a long time been a joke that like, wow, Keith Richards is going to be the only thing besides cockroaches that survives the apocalypse, yeah. or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> no, he's a normal man of a normal age range and uh, yeah. has abused his body for decades. Although he's clean now, he doesn't even smoke anymore. Oh, I didn't even um, know that. Wow, that's hard. Yeah. Good on him. Well, I think it was because he had some sort of of respiratory scare or something mm -hmm. um but yeah i don't think he's gonna live to be 100 years old yeah but either bob dylan or paul mccartney will i'm calling I mean, it now i was thinking that too it's gonna be one of those is gonna hit 100 yeah yep i agree maybe both that'd be crazy or, or maybe that's wishful thinking because it's Pro pretty probably. rare to live that long yeah but uh but happy birthday bob dylan yep and uh, I'm excited to do the Bob Dylan episode once we get back into the regular episodes. Oh, man. I convince I Kirk to like Dylan. What if we did it and I gave you so many deep cuts? You're like, I don't, I don't know this song. <laughs> the ones that you picked? Yeah. Oh, there's, there are plenty of Bob Dylan songs that I don't know. I haven't heard every Bob Dylan album from front to back. I've heard enough Bob Dylan not to hear any more Bob Dylan. <laughs> no, I'm not really going to try to hear no, it. It's, it's, it's solidly the kind of music that you don't like that yeah. it's not. It's not a real goal of mine. But yeah. let's get into our last top five. Oh, man. This was a fun <laughs> one. Uh, it was a topic I chose, but based on um, the fun fact. Yeah, the Kirk fun Your fact. fun fact that you yeah. brought to the last episode. Which, if anyone yeah. doesn't remember or didn't listen, what was your fun fact? My fun fact was that Whitney Houston's uh, how will I know mm -hmm. was originally offered to Janet Jackson first, but she turned it down. She turned it down. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I said for our last top five, let's do hit songs that other artists turn down first. Yes. Which I yeah. love that idea. Yeah. I love it. And I did it. I really am happy with this list. Mm -hmm. And the only kind of, parameters i gave myself was i chose every song i chose i had to say okay i'm glad it worked out this way 
in that it, it wasn't like, oh, they, they would have been interesting. Every song I have, I'm like, I'm glad that person did it and not the other person first because it, it, it has staying power. Yeah, I, um, I didn't put that on myself as I look at my five now. Some of them are that way. There are none where I think, oh, I wish it had gone the other way. Mm-hmm. But somewhere I think, ooh, I'm cu- I would be curious to live in the alternate reality where this other artist did this. I wish I could hear what that would have sounded like. Would have sounded like, yeah. Just I out mean, of curiosity, not because I don't like the song the way I, it is. I feel like we got to have some overlap on this. Uh, unless, you went, the, unless you went obscure, unless you went all Paul. The interesting thing about this topic as I researched it is it's almost exclusively pop music. Yes. And pop and R&B because in that subgenre, that's a subgenre where very frequently songwriters write the songs and then shop them around to pop stars to sing. Correct. There's not a lot of this in rock music because rock bands tend to just write and perform their own material. Yeah. So it's mostly pop. And most of what I found was like really modern stuff, like the last 20 years worth. Uh, yes. About, about 50% of which seem to be songs that Britney Spears passed on. I literally have that as well. Yeah. That is so funny. Britney passed on a lot and vice versa. Yeah. Um, I Some, only, of, yeah. My Some own... of her songs that she did, other artists passed yes. on. Oh, we might have some overlap then. I have uh, one song from the 80s. That was famously uh, shopped around before. I have uh, three songs from the 80s. Oh. I tried not to oh, go two, for I, those two, modern sorry, pop two. songs. Yeah. I tried okay. to leave those those modern pop songs out and try to do music that was more in my wheelhouse, which mm-hmm. was harder. It was a bit of a challenge to find those. But, oh, I'm sure. Uh, those really... Those really um, uh, interested me but shout out to britney spears for still having such a long killer career even having turned down so many songs so that many huge songs. hits for other artists um one of which almost made my list but didn't but i'm not going to say it because it might be on your list Ooh, i have an honorable mention too that might be on the list should we save the honorable mentions for last then yeah let's not do the honorable mentions just in case yeah because i think it, this is a, a narrow enough topic that we might step on yeah and then if it if it doesn't then we'll mention it at the end then yeah you yeah, want to kick good. it off though yeah we'll kick it off which my number five mm-hmm. i fucking love this song uh, it's pretty common knowledge that this was passed on first uh the two are so alike that you're almost like, what difference does it make? <laughs> okay. So you're like, does it really make that much of a difference? But in my mind, it does. Yeah. Number five for me is uh, Rock Your Body by Justin Timberlake. Uh-huh. First offered to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, I, I came across that one too. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's what everything uh, Timberlake does is like, yeah, this could have been a Michael Jackson song. <laughs> exactly. It yeah. is. But I think... This one I like better. It's a little. I really love. I've always loved Rock Your Body. It's a yeah. little. It's a little less produced. There's not a lot going on with it, mm-hmm. and I don't think I would want to hear this and have Michael Jackson throughout it go shama. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> I don't want that in this song. I just want a groove that's really good to dance. So I don't want all the extra shit, which I think Michael would have done. He would put a lot of extra shit on it. I didn't look into the details of the story of that. Like, when did Rock Your Body come out? Rock Your Body was her first album, Justified. So I think that's 2000. No, it would be. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. 2002, 2003. You're right. Something yep. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So was it 
was it offered to was it an older song that was offered to Michael Jackson much earlier or was it offered to Jackson in the early 2000s? I think it was offered to him in the early 2000s because he mm-hmm. had that one more album, um, which I cannot remember the name of that. No one really liked. Uh, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't making hits by yeah. that point, Michael Jackson. So I think if he had recorded it, we wouldn't really know about it that much. Yeah, it was yeah. my guess. It was around the time from the album that had you rock my world, which is yeah. not a good song and butterflies, which is a great song. But uh, there was that album invincible. I think that's the name of the album. I can picture the black and white cover of that album, but dude, I couldn't tell you the name of a Michael Jackson song from this century. Yeah. It was butterflies was the big one. Yeah. The whole, the whole big thing was like, Ooh, Rodney Jenkins is going to produce him. And you're like, who cares? Yeah. I know this is to me, Michael Jackson's career ends with, uh, What's the album from 91? Dangerous? Dangerous, yeah. Dangerous, yeah. I mean, it does, because he didn't do anything after that. Well, he did did, um, History, which had Scream on it, his duet with Janet, but I don't like that song. Scream's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But to me, like, History, which I think is 95, which was his, like, career retrospective up to that point, is like, that's the end of it for me. Yeah, they're like, we're good, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, that's fine. Blood on the dance floor. Okay, I don't, whatever. It's okay. Yeah. Keep it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keep it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so good. I'm glad that Justin took that yeah, one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, my first, uh, my number five comes from the 70s. I think 1972. Mm. A, Philly, a Philly soul classic. Ooh. Written by Gamble and Huff, the songwriting duo who Love basically them. like created the Philly soul sound. Mm-hmm. And it, the song is If You Don't Know Me By Now. By Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes. Love my love that song. My, one of my dad's favorite songs. Sung by the great Teddy Pendergrass, who was yep. lead singer of that band at the time. Uh, but originally offered to, do you know who? Uh, no, I only know the cover in the 80s, years later. S- Simply Red. <laughs> Which yeah. is great. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It's a pretty straight ahead yeah. cover where it's like, this just sounds like the original and we already have the original. Yeah, they so just kind of honored it and that was it. Honored. That's a good, yes, yeah. good way of putting it. But Gamble and Huff originally offered it to LaBelle. That is fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Patty LaBelle's band. Wow. That they, would have been good. They didn't record it. I saw some different quote unquote reasons, either because they just turned it down. But I also saw somewhere that they, they said they couldn't do it because of scheduling conflicts. Hmm. So who knows why they didn't do it, but... Um, they originally offered it to LaBelle. LaBelle turned it down. And Gamble and Huff also wrote I Miss You, which was on the same album mm-hmm. by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, which they had originally offered to uh, the Drells. And the Drells turned it down and they gave it to Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. So when LaBelle turned down, if you don't know me by now, they were like, well, let's just give this one to, to Melvin and the Blue Notes, too. Wow. Good on Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Just picking up the scraps and running with it, man. Yeah. That's an, I would have loved to hear Patti LaBelle sing that. That would have been fascinating. Well, she did a lot later in her solo oh. career. She It was part of her onstage repertoire. That makes sense. That figured, so I'll bet, I'll bet you can find like a YouTube video or something of Patti LaBelle doing it. Yeah, I'm going to need to I'm gonna need to check that out because yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good number five. Yeah. My number four is also a great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, One Hit Wonder... Milkshake by Kellis. 
That's the one that almost made my list. Yeah. Offered to Britney. Offered to Britney. And I can picture her being like, that's a little too naughty for me. It's a little too naughty. And I also remember Kellis, she had a little deeper voice. Mm-hmm. So it was a definitely made it a little like raw and nasty, which I like. Yeah, it's not gross, but it is a no. little. It is a little, little. What's the word I'm looking for? Saucy. This also, yeah, yeah. And and I think Brittany, who's had moments of that, I just sure. think again it would have been a little more poppy and overproduced than what I wanted. Than what I wanted. Yeah, I think for. I, but the thing is, I can hear the Brittany version in my head very easily. For one thing. That's it. That one I cannot. Like, I, I can picture it. I can't. I can hear mm-hmm. the verses. I can't hear her do the chorus. I can. I can imagine it. I can imagine That's that. That's interesting. Wow. It makes sense to me that it was offered to Britney. I was like, yeah, I can hear this as a Britney song. Yeah. But I do. I would guess that either she thought it was just a little too nasty for her or c- coming on the heels as it would have of I'm a slave for you, which is mm-hmm. arguably like Britney's sort of naughtiest song. I love that, that song. Like, I kind of just did that. So maybe let's. Yeah. yeah. Let me scale back a bit. But around that time, it would have been like toxic anyway, mm-hmm. which is Britney Spears's best song. So toxic it might have been a good choice for her to 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 pass on Milkshake. I, I think so. I think it was a smart move. It was one of those good call by all good call by all. And I loved that song at the time, too. I used to listen to that a lot. Oh, so uh, good. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, okay, my number four is from the 80s. Written by Liam Sternberg, who uh, was a songwriter who was part of the Akron scene in the 80s. That gave Fuck us, yeah, like, the, Akron. The Waitresses. And oh, Dino. yes. And he wrote a song called Walk Like an Egyptian. He did? Yes, which when I where I hear that he was an Akron writer, I was like, oh, I can almost picture like the waitresses kind of doing that. Like it does fit into that sort of mold. It does. Yeah. Uh, the first artist to record the song was Lena Lovich, but she then quit the music industry before she ever released her version. Mm-hmm. But she, but she wasn't the first artist he offered it to. The first artist he offered Walk Like an Egyptian to was Tony Basil. Oh, that makes so much sense. Doesn't it? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the Tony Basil song would have been like there's something kind of slinky and even not sinister to the uh to the to, to the walk. Bangles version. Because it is essentially a novelty song. Yeah. But they do a very cool version. And I feel like the yes. Tony Basil version would have been like sillier and, yeah. and more novelty. It would have been a little more quirky. Yeah. But she turned that song down. Wow. And it eventually went to the Bengals. I wonder if so. She, she turned it down mm-hmm. fairly early. There must have been like five year gap or so between when the Bengals did it and when she turned it down. I'm wondering. I mean, who knows? The Bengals version came out in 87. Yeah. And Tony Basil, Tony Basil was like early '80s. Then didn't do that much more after. Not that I know of, but maybe yeah. if she had recorded uh, "Walk Like an Egyptian," she would have had another hit. Yeah, could have been. I do remember the one thing I remember about "Walk Like an Egyptian" is as a teenager reading a Rolling Stone article about the Bangles mm-hmm. and how the drummer was like, yes, uh, "I was going to talk about this." How "Walk Like an Egyptian" was a huge hit, and it's like, 
I don't even play drums on it. Well, not only that, but they had uh, the producer had them each sing because you know there are three verses and each one of them takes yeah. a verse except for Debbie. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. the, the the producer didn't like her voice on it so Mm -hmm. not only did they replace her drumming with the drum machine but she's also the only one in the band who doesn't get a verse on the song that's right that's right i I knew that story but i found out there was even more like insult to injury no (laughs) there was something about the song i didn't know about like even when you watch the video they just have her playing tambourine yeah which is really kind of like ugh. but there is the part with the whistling yes yeah and they have debbie do the whistling yes i found out that even the whistle was synthesized she doesn't even really whistle on the track no one does it's a it's a synthetic whistle but in the video they had her like yeah the whistling and i'm like you've already insulted her twice by not giving her a verse and replacing the drums with a drum machine now you're gonna have her like fake the whistle that she doesn't even really perform it's just like (laughs) Yeah. Just have Susanna do the whistle. Yeah, almost... <laughs> yeah. But I feel like Debbie, she doesn't get the last laugh. But for me, you know, she did sing lead on a lot of songs that she sings lead on going down to Liverpool, which is oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. one of my favorite singles of theirs. Yeah. And I think is a better song than Walk, Walk Like an Egyptian. Oh, yeah. And she's great on it. So she yeah. gets to sing the better song, even yeah. if it's not the bigger hit. Yeah, because that truly is a, a prime example of biggest hit, worst song. Oh, I'm not going to say that because I don't, I'm not a fan of Eternal Flame. And and I'm going to blaspheme to you a little bit. I'm not the biggest fan of Manic Monday either. That's only because you don't know music. (laughs) You rat fucking bastard. Last show, last show. I don't hate Manic Monday, but it's not like my favorite bank. It's the best man. It's the best bangle song. No, it's not. 100% it is. No, it's Without a not. doubt. All their early stuff, all their early stuff before they got big is their best stuff. They should be thanking Prince every day. Well, they should be because it made them very rich and famous. Yes, so they're doing they're all they're all doing fine now. So good mm-hmm. on them. Yeah, good on them. I mean, that's fa- I had no idea of that stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um my number 3 uh, you already mentioned it. It's uh, "Toxic" by Britney. Her, oh, okay. Her, her, I, I really love "I'm a Slave for You," but I can understand how everyone goes "Toxic's her best song." I go, yeah, that that, that that tracks. First offered to Kylie Minogue. Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, thank you. I don't know Kylie Minogue's music that well. Ooh, well. She, she had that one hit in the early 2000s that I was she did, aware of. I didn't which like was it. pretty okay. Well, here's the thing. That was like early 2000s, Can't Get You Out of My Head. That's the one, right? Yes. Which was a big comeback for her. Yes, because in the 80s, she had like locomotion. Like she did a cover right. of locomotion. And it's just it's just a sack of shit. It's <laughs> so bad. It's such a bad song. So when Can't Get You Out of My Head came out, I was like, oh, Kyla Minogue's not bad, I guess. That's Yeah. But I don't want her. I don't want her doing toxic. So, so thank God, Britney said yes to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I guess I can imagine someone else doing it, but it's it's great, and I think it's Britney's best record, and I'm glad it worked out. It, yeah, I don't hard. care about Kylie Minogue. Yeah, me neither. It's hard to argue about if someone's like, "Oh, Toxic's the best song." It's hard for me to go, "No, it's not." I go, "Yeah, it's 
It's about right. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, number three. That's your number three. My number three, still in the 80s. Uh, this is a song that was written by Curtis Hudson and Lisa Stevens of a group called Pure Energy. Have you ever heard of Pure Energy? I'm wondering if they become a band that I'm trying to remember right now, but go ahead. I don't know, because I've never heard of Pure Energy. Okay. Pure Energy's label didn't want them to use this song. Okay. So they shopped it around to some other singers. Phyllis Hyman, who you may mm-hmm. know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mary Wilson of the Supremes. I know they this. Both, they both turned it down. Yeah. Uh, this is a song called Holiday, which ended up being a very early hit for Madonna. I fucking love Holiday. Yep. Paul, that's my number one. Oh, shit. Yeah. We have some overlap. We have an overlap. We don't even need to yes. talk about hit number one. That yes. is my number one because that was one where I was like, what? I had yeah. like no idea. And I can't picture Mary Wilson of the Supremes or Phyllis Hyman singing this song at all. I'm sure it got like a new arrangement or like some yeah. rewrites and revisions once it once it got into what happened. The rest of the story is, you know, pure energy. They were trying to find another artist. Jelly Bean Benitez, who was uh was producing Madonna's debut album, asked Pure Energy if they had any songs that he could have mm-hmm. to give to Madonna. And they were still kind of hoping that they could do it and their and their label would let them do it. Yeah. But they said, ah, here, you have this. And then so that's how it became a Madonna song. Oh, that's amazing. I fucking love Holiday. And that's that's to me, I'm like, no one else touch no one else touch Holiday. No, no, it's 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 that's definitely a Madonna song. That's definitely a Madonna song. Yeah, when I saw that, I I was like, whoa! I was yeah. really drawn drawn back by it because I had no idea, and I just I can't. It's there's a disconnect for me where I can't I can't hear that. Well, I don't know what Pure Energy sounds like because I never heard of them before I did this no, research. I, but they were described I, on like Wikipedia as a disco or post disco group. Yeah. You know, Phyllis Hyman was from that late 70s sort of disco era. Mary Wilson goes back even, you know, even longer than that, which is why I assume the song must have gotten like some sort of new arrangement or refresh when they gave it to Madonna. Because it's such a it's it's so like it kicks off an era of 80s. Yes, yes. And it clearly it must have been written as like a late disco hit. Yes. There's Literally. no way the version we know sounds like the version as written. I agree. It's it's probably a little more disco-y, maybe a little more R&B. It doesn't have that like electro pop that was the 80s. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it would it, I agree it's probably totally revamped. Oh, yeah, we had some crossover. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that I uh that oh, I stepped on your number 1, but No. That's why we have this. Yeah. I mean, again, we've done 29 episodes and had such few crossovers. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I will go to my number two, Mm -hmm. which I knew about. I just didn't know who it was offered to first. Mm. The I've mentioned this in a previous podcast. This is, of course, like the Gen X theme song. Don't you forget about me by Simple Minds. Mm -hmm. Um, It was that's my number one. <laughs> yes, I love it, Paul. Yeah. Oh, synergy. Yeah. So, yeah, Simple Minds did Don't You Forget About Me. 
It was first, as you know, offered to the Fix, which I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Not quite true, but go on. Well, there's more. There's Billy Idol Uh and Brian Ferry. Yes, I have the same, except they offered it to a not... That's not... None of those are the first band they offered it to. Who's the first band then? I missed that. Simple Minds. Oh, Simple Minds said no? Yes. I do remember them going, I hate this song. This song sucks. I do... That's like canon for Simple Minds. <laughs> that that part I didn't know. Yeah, they hated uh, it. The, the research I have, uh, the songwriters who wrote it are Keith Forzey and Steve Schiff, who were in Nina Hagen's band. And they were scoring The Breakfast Club. Yes. And they wrote the song for the movie. Mm-hmm. And they wrote it with Simple Minds in mind. So they, they offered it to Simple part. Minds and Simple Minds turned it down because they were all like, we're a rock band. We write our own material. We don't, yeah. you know. I didn't know that they hated the song. I thought it was just that they were like, no, we don't record songs. Yeah, like they, they wrote. from what I heard or read was the man, the, the manager's like, do the fucking song. Are you yeah. kidding me? Do the fucking song. And they did it begrudgingly. I think now, because years later, they're like, yeah, we're, we're happy for it and stuff. But it doesn't – I mean I like all the other Simple Minds music. It sounds nothing like their other stuff. I don't even know their other stuff, which is would probably we, drive them nuts. We to me, they're a one-hit wonder. <laughs> how dare you? They have like three other big hits. They have uh, Alive and Kicking. They have uh, all the things she said, which is a video from from our guy. Oh, God, we did a whole episode on oh, our guy. Oh, that's right. It's a big new Rubchinsky. Yeah, Zibby Ribs. Yeah. But I don't think we watched that video no, we didn't. on the episode. We, yeah. No. Yeah. Zibby Ribs uh, did their video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, of the three, of Brian Ferry, Billy Idol, and The Fix, whose version would you want to hear? Brian Ferry's. See, to me, I don't hear it as a Brian Ferry song, but I'd like to hear the Billy Idol version. I don't see. That's the one I don't want to hear. <laughs> I don't want to hear. And I don't, I don't hate Billy Idol that much. Yeah. I like some of this stuff. I don't want to hear his version of it. I don't want to hear what he's going to do with it. I would almost bet money that if The Fix did it, it would sound like the Simple Mind song. Yeah. yeah it would sound so. very, very similar. It wouldn't be that much different, I would guess. But like Brian Ferry, is he going to slow it down and get all like m- melancholy, emo- uh, sexual with it? And, which I would hear for. I just don't think it's a good enough song for Brian Ferry. How fucking dare you? <laughs> I think he's better than I think just think he's better than that. Not that I don't like the song, but it's like Brian Fair it's like, I don't know, would you just would you give it to Leonard Cohen? You know, would you give it no, to No, because he'd ruin it. <laughs> Like let Brian Ferry do Brian Ferry's thing. <laughs> that makes sense. Don't that give him simple mind sloppy seconds. Like that's <laughs> that's not for Brian. Yeah, I get you. No, makes sense. Makes um, sense. The only other piece of information that I have different from you is 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 who convinced them to do it. Oh, I thought it was his manager. Who convinced him? Jim Jim Kerr's wife, the lead singer of Simple Minds, his wife. Do you know who he was married to? Yes, uh, Chrissy Hine. Chrissy Hine told him to do it. You might be right in that, and then. If that is really true the case, then you go, yeah, Chrissy gets it. Yeah, because if Chrissy Hine tells you you should do something, then do it. Yeah, you, Whether you're do. married to her or not. Yeah. Double do it if she's your wife. Yeah, Just exactly. listen What's to Chrissy you, Hine. Yeah. yeah, listen. And you know what? You're welcome for yeah. listening to your wife because you got this whole big career with it. Yeah. 
And so they recorded it during the sessions for whatever album they were working on at the time. And they figured like, this is just so, like, this is going to be one of the songs on the soundtrack to some movie that probably no one's ever going to yeah. see. And we'll never think about this again. So they just sort of recorded it and that was it. And now it has come to define a generation. Yes. Which is fascinating. And you know what? They all got paid. I mean, that song's played ad nauseum everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, it is one of those songs. I've yet to get tired of it. Like if it no, comes great. on the, it comes on the radio, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to listen to this. I'm, I'm never tired of that song. And I've heard it since I was 14. It's perfect. I think because you could hear that song as I did for a long time, having never seen the breakfast club and not knowing what the movie is about that it's on the soundtrack to, but still like, getting the vibe yes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you know what it's what it's about even without the context because it's just so perfect which makes sense because it was written for the movie soundtrack yeah Yeah. exactly oh that is so funny that that was your number one one last fun fact about the song yes is uh the the arguably the hookiest and most memorable part of the song was improvised which is the la 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 part oh i vaguely remember hearing that that's that is the hooky part yeah it's a great I wonder part. If since jim Kerr, if since they had such a low opinion of the song if he was doing that to like make fun of it, <laughs> if it i would you know love I mean? that story i would love if that was the case he's like yeah i'm just gonna do the la la la's and yeah, yeah you'll yeah. keep it in yeah. and they're like okay great and they're like yeah. that's what everyone sings along to that part yeah oh that's awesome i love that song i love the story of how it almost didn't get done and it ended up being, you know, one of the greatest 80s records yeah, of all time. Exactly. Okay, so I stepped on your number one, you stepped on my number one. I think I just have to do my number two. That's correct. That'll be, that'll be it. Uh, which is a rock song from the 70s. Oh! I don't think... We don't talk about David Bowie a lot. Do you like David Bowie? I love David Bowie. I married a David Bowie fanatic. Oh. I'm well, obsessed with David Bowie. We do need to talk about how could we have done a whole David Bowie episode? I don't know. Well, I don't know how many. He doesn't really have a lot of music videos except oh, for yeah, the 80s stuff, which is, I mean, what are we going to do? Uh, Dancing in the Streets? With well, actually, we absolutely should <laughs> yeah. talk about that video. Yeah, fucking Isn't that worst video that. I mean, there's also like fucking weird video for Blue Jean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got I'm Afraid of Americans later on. Oh, we need to do a Bowie. Shame on us. Do a Bowie episode. Yeah. But I'm talking about the song Suffragette City by David Bowie. Was Wait. turned down by another band. Wow. Wait. There's a whole story that I'm going to tell here. Okay. First question, and then I'll just yeah. talk. Did he... So he didn't write Suffragette City? Yes, he did. He Okay, tell the story then. Okay. It's 1972, mm-hmm. and Mott the were breaking up. <laughs> Good. Okay. Meanwhile, David Bowie's a fan of the band, and he offered them Suffragette City, which he had written, mm-hmm. but he, he offered it to them to record. But they said, thank you, but no thank you, we're breaking up. <laughs> so then David Bowie wrote All the Young Dudes. Love that song. Specifically for Mott the Hoople and said, you can have this song on the condition that you do not break up. Ah, oh, it's awesome. And they said... They were smart enough to recognize this is a hit. And if yeah. you record this song, 
we're going to be we're going to have a hit on our hands so let's not break up just <laughs> let's yet re- let's record this song that david bowie wrote for us smart and they did and then he kept suffragette city for himself this is a story where everything turns out great for everyone i mean everyone wins everyone yeah. wins but originally he wrote i don't think he wrote suffragette city for them but he offered it to them and wow. intended it for them I had and they no were like idea. nah nah no thank you and he was like, how about All the Young Dudes? And they were like, yup. That is interesting because, I mean, I love All the Young Dudes. Yeah. Suffragette City's great. I'm curious what they thought that they were like, it's not worth getting back together to do. I don't know the the order of operations. I also read that they thought, you know, it's a great song, but it's not really their style. Oh, Which kind of makes sense. Yeah, yep, yep. Um Maybe maybe they had gave him both excuses like, A, we don't think it's right for us, and B we're breaking up and yeah. so so what's the point yeah maybe that's all true maybe it's not true but that's the that's the story i read he originally oh. offered suffragette city david bowie offered it to mott the hoople and they turned it down and then as a result of that they ended up uh recording all the young dudes uh, that's just wins all the way around it is yeah yeah all but the I, way around I always thought that all the young dudes when i was young i thought it was a david bowie song because it Same. sounds like such a Bowie Same. song yep yeah Yep, I only know, knew much, much, much later that it was Mott Hoople. I was like, "Oh, okay, it sounds like Bowie to me." So, so again, he he wins all over the place, man. Yeah. Yep. Wow. God, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, one. Did you have an honorable mention? I've got a couple now that we've gone through everything. Yeah. I, I left one off the list of my list because I was like, "Oh, for sure, Kirk is going to talk about this." One. I wonder if this is the same honorable mention. And then also I have a Britney song that I left off the list because I thought you might cover it. Let's tell what's that one. Her first big hit, Baby One yes, More Time. That was my honorable mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was offered so to TLC. TLC, which I can totally imagine. It would have been a totally different vibe, but I can hear it. I can 100% hear T-Boz singing this song. Yeah, yep. And, but at the same time, don't want it. That's one where I'm like, I would like to, I would like to hear the that version. I would be curious to hear. I'm not, you know, Britney's fine. I'm not a huge Britney Spears yeah. fan. It's the song that made her a star and launched yeah. her career. But I never thought that song was that great. It's okay. I would love to hear TLC's version. I think I would prefer it if if they had done it. I'm just so it's so hard for me. Even though I can hear the voice, I go, mm-hmm. Are they? Are they going to, is it a little going to be a little funkier? Because it would have to be because it's TLC. Yeah, maybe. You try to imagine who's going to take which parts. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think, you know? I think, uh, 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 Chili sings the, like, My Loneliness. My is Loneliness kid. is Killing Me. That's definitely yeah. Chili's part. That's definitely Chili. And then T-Boss I feel, is doing the verses. They probably let Left Eye write her own rap. Yeah. You know, to throw or they in just, there at some point. Or they just fucking left her out like Baby Baby. Yeah, maybe. So maybe. I'm glad it I'm glad it worked out that way. I don't I don't necessarily want TLC. I am only in the sense that maybe if Britney hadn't had that debut single, Britney Spears would not have been uh, uh, anything. She, that's you know a, what I mean. That's a fascinating sliding doors. Yes, exactly. exactly. Where where if she where if TLC's like yeah fuck yeah we want hit me baby one more time we'll do that. It doesn't matter what happens to that. Britney still does that first album, 
But right. that Juggernaut song isn't on there. It's just all the other stuff. And you go, right. wow, it's maybe just this medium album that you're like, remember Britney Spears? What happened to her? Plus, TLC didn't need it. Exactly. Like they were already established. Yeah. I don't know if that if they had done it, if it would have been on Fan Mail, which is the album with that has no scrubs. It would have been fan mail because uh, fan mail was 99, and I think Britney was 97, it was, yeah. 98. So that would have so, yeah. been on fan mail for Yeah. Them. So this is sort of like uh, Janet turning turning down that song, which would have been yes. on Control. It's like Control did fine without it. You exactly. Know? <laughs> she didn't need it. Didn't uh, it's need It's not it. like a missed opportunity for, for, for them necessarily. You, you're but correct. For, for Britney, it definitely yeah. would have been. Britney needed it more than TLC, definitely. Right, right. I, I acknowledge that, and that's why I'm glad we're in the timeline that we're in. Yes. But I think I would like the song better if TLC had done it. You're probably right. You're yeah. probably right. Yeah. That's a it's a fascinating, bizarro universe, if that was the case. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, the other one that I have, that I was sure you were going to cover, was Every Little Step. It was not originally oh, for Bobby Brown. It was uh, Babyface. <laughs> he wrote it. Uh, the my according to my sources, mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, I thought Babyface was going to do it. It's supposed to be on his first album. I know that. I don't oh. know who offered to, but yeah, I read that that it was offered to Midnight Star. Oh, really? Yeah, that's weird because Midnight Star was a self-contained unit. So that's interesting. You could be right. That's what I read. That's what I read. It was hey, it's on the internet. I'm so sorry, it's can't be, be wrong. True. Can't yeah. be wrong. It could have been. That order could have been Midnight Star. Midnight Star says no. And then Babyface is thinking, oh, maybe I'll do it on my first album. And then he's working with Bobby and gives it that. That could be – that that timeline works. Yeah. yeah. I, I I mean, I, I don't want – I don't want – I love Midnight Star. I don't want them doing it. I don't want Babyface doing it. He would have fucking wrecked that song. <laughs> I mean, it's a Bobby it, – it's – I can't imagine anyone else doing. I can't that. imagine anyone else either. That I did yeah. not know the Midnight Star part. Yeah, well, that's what I read. Oh, I'm just telling you what I read. <laughs> Listen, internet never lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was a fun topic. Oh yeah, it was good. For sure. This was a good way to close out the 29th episode of Pandemic. 29 episodes. Oh my Whole god! Podcast unto itself. This this run. <laughs> I mean, there are some podcasts that don't have 29 episodes and just stop. <laughs> No, I know, I know, but I'm I'm excited to get get back oh, into man, the swing. Oh man, it's gonna be great! Uh, excited to hang out with you again uh, in person. Do our old go back to watching videos and Fuck doing yeah. music trivia. It's gonna be good. good. Competing for some peanut M and M's. Yes, I don't I don't remember if I said it on if we recorded it when I talked about this, but we were making a lot of hay early on about how I had bought this one pack of peanut M and M's. Yes. And I was just going to keep this peanut M&M's until one of us won it. But I did eventually have to eat the peanut M&M's because they had gone. They had expired. I mean. And I was like, it's, I'm not going to give Kirk stale M&M's as a prize. Yes. Well, I mean, as you know, with my peanut M&M's obsession, had it been yeah. me, it would have been, I wouldn't even waited. I was like, oh, it's gone. Just No, two. I did wait. And, and it, it, the expiration date was January 2021. So I had to oh. Because here's the thing, it, it's that they expired in January. Plus, it's going to be a while until someone wins them. Yes. So they would have been they would have been way they would have been way stale by yeah. the time anyone yeah. got them. So I'll pick up a new pack uh, for when we get together. We're, we're starting fresh on all levels. 
Yes. And I'll have to start buying LaCroix every couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. I, you like I, I, need my, I cannot do my show, Paul, unless <laughs> I have my LaCroix. Your lime LaCroix. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's the end of this last pandemic episode. We did it. Next time, we'll be back together. Uh, can't Very wait. Very excited. Thanks, yes. everybody. Bye. Bye.